Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the PhD Cast by the Cebus GPA. I'm Micah, and today I'm joined by my co-host Megan, and our guest, my co-TikTok star, <laughs> Rob Colbrick, a BME PhD student here at RPI. Rob, could you introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, as Micah so eloquently put it, I'm a rising fourth <laughs> year um, at, at RPI. And um, my work concerns, I mean, it implements a lot of induced pluripotent stem cells toward Alzheimer's disease and other neurodegenerative disorders like autism. That's what my colleague focuses on. I personally focus on Alzheimer's disease. Um, and in context, what I'm doing is trying to apply that toward disease modeling and toward um, constructing a bunch of really interesting models, like trying to find out how people with Alzheimer's disease, for example, have lower bone mineral density mm -hmm. than their neurotypical counterparts and trying to figure out like the biomolecular mechanisms that underlie that condition. So, Very cool. Yeah. All right. And so we brought you on today to talk a little bit about applying to grad school. So mm -hmm. obviously we've all applied somewhat successfully, I'm willing to argue, <laughs> since we're all in a PhD program yep, now. Yep. And so I feel like we can go ahead and just start by talking about a little bit about each of our own experiences, perhaps. So, yeah. Rob, do you want to kick us off to here? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'll preface this by saying that I probably wasn't nearly as prepared for um, just applying for graduate school in general than probably you guys are. Hmm. Um, I'll venture to say that, like, because my, I think my preparation started probably September or October really? the year before. Yeah, which I understand is pretty late. Like a lot of people are, are already the putting year together. Before the year before as in, as in like... senior year? Or year yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess that is kind of late. Yeah, September, October <laughs> senior year. Because, yeah, people are already sending year. in. I started in August, actually, so yeah. I oh. only, only beat you by a hair. Yeah. Shoot. All right, Megan. Well, I, I what about started you, Megan? like June. All right. Yeah, oh, okay, so. so there we go. That's our type <laughs> A person. Yeah, so... I think one of the one of the most critical aspects for me was making sure that I was continuing to to execute my my lab duties mm. well because um, mm -hmm. I think um, especially when you're going into graduate school having that excellent letter of recommendation yeah. from from multiple people if at all right. possible. So what I did was I had my PI from undergrad and then I had a, a PI, um, another PI at the university that I TA'd for for mm -hmm. multiple courses mm -hmm. um, and then another one was just a well-respected member of the university who sure. um, was also sort of my capstone professor. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think establishing those connections and making sure that they are down pat and yeah, ready to go is, is very important. Mm -hmm. um, and then actually um, tailoring my personal statement for different applications. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's um, so key. Yeah, because you don't you don't want to be constructing even even your CV. You can tailor for for different applications mm -hmm. and different different professions, especially because um, you don't you don't want to be making one personal statement or or one letter and sending it to every university that right. you apply to. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you, Micah? How did you prep for grad school applications? Hmm. Did so, you do any prep, I guess? Is the I mean, question. in terms of, of, of prep work, not much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, no, I'm interested to hear how you, um, like, how did you, how did you look for, for universities that mm, you were interested yeah, in? Was it geographical? Question. Was it like, were you going for big names or? So, uh, I was in a weird situation because I previously in my undergrad was taking part in like uh, a 4-2 program, I thought. Oh. And so I was going to mm. either go to Columbia for two years or to Wash U for two years. Like Wash U St. Louis? Yeah, St. Oh. Louis. Man. Cool, um, cool. So I would have gotten both excellent schools, two, yeah. Two, but I would have gotten uh, two bachelor's degrees through those six years oh. was how it worked out. Really? With an optional seventh year for one master's degree. So your, your undergrad was in BME, wasn't it? 
No. No, my it was Mecky? was actually, no, no, no. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. engineering at all for Well, me I guess I don't know Mecky as well as I thought. I did uh, biochemistry, biophysics, and molecular biology. Okay, I actually did not know undergrad. that either. Wow. And that's kind of rough. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so what would that second degree have been if you went to? So the second degree would have been in biomedical engineering. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Uh, that would have been so, so cool. It would have been cool, but it would have also been expensive. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And so after I had been doing research, I was like, wait, I like this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I was like, okay, I could could keep doing this. And so really I applied to the schools I knew I really liked Mm -hmm. and where I had seen that there were at least like four or five professors that I thought at least I could be happy in their lab. Yeah. Because like the research seemed interesting to me. It's something I, I wanted to do. Um, and part of how that happened, though, was also by by taking the GRE and saying, sure, send my scores to whoever. I don't yeah, care. yeah. Yep. I already accept cookies on every site. <laughs> like, it's just another checkbox. Yeah. <laughs> it's the CAPTCHA. As long as, yeah, exactly. It's going to my email that already has signed up for a million things. It'll be fine. Did you did you know when you were applying for grad school that you were going to be going for a BME PhD? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I was at least very confident in biomedical, okay. like engineering. Eh. Eh. And <laughs> how, did, I mean, how did that translate like when you were when you were applying? I mean, with your undergraduate degree, did you run into any boundaries where you were like, you weren't, you couldn't apply because you didn't have a BME undergrad? Nope. Or, okay. Um, because like, so in my undergrad, I still, I didn't take any engineering courses, but mm-hmm. I took three years of physics. Okay. Yeah. Not three years, two years of physics. Yep. Uh, because after like a year and a half, we, I, I diverted into biophysics instead mm. of like regular people physics, you know? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I took math through like linear algebra and diffie Q. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's, so that's also like kind pretty of much the similar to a engineering. You had all the same foundational yeah. courses. Yeah. I just didn't have any of the coursework that kind of mushed them together. Yeah. And like sure. the two separate branches on their own almost. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I didn't really run into any issues where I couldn't apply to somewhere. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, which w- was very nice because <laughs> it meant I got to take classes that I really enjoyed in undergrad because yeah. I loved molecular biology and yeah. I loved biochemistry. Um, but didn't have to take random engineering courses that, I don't know, <laughs> after Diffie-Q, I was like, oof, this math <laughs> thing is rough. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yeah. But yeah, so the the little checkbox on the GRE yep. is actually how I found RPI because oh, wild. They, so many schools reached out to me from that yep. and also gave me waivers to apply to their schools. Oh, yep. so yeah, that was a thing. Cool. I, I think I paid for one PhD application yeah. and everything else had been waived that I applied to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was very nice. Uh, So I can't speak for obviously whole universities and and how these um, like how they're actually going through and recruiting. But I know the individual PIs are um, like they really prioritize the GRE. uh, I mean, it it is different from PI to PI, but there are some where it's there's a really high degree of importance. And and they also look at individual scores. Like like there there'll be some PIs that are more interested in your quantitative than than your qualitative or your reading. Um, I know that. Like one of my colleagues here was actually accepted because he, he got like an excellent mm-hmm. quant score despite kind of being like average or even a little below average in the other categories. Sure, so right. it's like, you know, it's not the end of the world yeah, if, you, yeah. if you don't stellar in all of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Unfortunately, because standardized exams really suck and I no. hated taking them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not fun, but little trick. Uh, they post all of the potential uh, like writing prompts 
They're all okay. Available. See, don't tell me what this. Four do? years oh after I've taken my. it, they're all available, and every year they select from a, a list of prompts. All right, well, audience I didn't members, need to know take that. Notes. The one, the <laughs> one thing that I really did prep for was was the GRE. My friend and I literally wrote out like a, an example essay for every single prompt. How many prompts were there? Uh, I think that there were like seventy five, but like. A lot of them were like super similar. So I was completely blindsided them. by my prompt. And wait, so, wait, like, wait, my what? My whole writing section took me like 15 minutes because I just oh, typed out the essay I had wow. already written. Okay, can we just talk about that? I took two GRE, like actual official classes, and none of these teachers told me that this existed. Are you kidding? Really? No, I'm not wow. kidding. <laughs> They're literally all available. Yeah. And I, I know that like, just like Rob was saying, some PIs do look at your GRE writing yep. score as an indicator for, you know, your ability, for your writing ability. Writing. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. um, does it really translate to technical science writing? Not, not that much, mm, but no. you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say so. No. Um, wow. That's wild. I didn't really need to know that. Yeah. Well, but these pe the people, <laughs> that's true. Listening Sorry. Y'all do need to know this. This, this isn't is for us. So yeah, so that's, I think that's the biggest prep work I did actually. Really? Though. What about you, Megan? Oh, shoot. I did a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, I knew that I wanted to go uh, and get my PhD pretty early. Like I'd say my sophomore year of college after starting research and realizing I liked it mm -hmm. um, and deciding that med school was not for me. Um, and so I think right after, during junior year is when I took my GRE, I, I took a class um, through junior year, and I took it twice, I think, then. And then um, right after I got my GRE and I kind of knew, like, you know, how competitive I was with my score and my GPA, um, I basically wrote a massive list of universities that I was interested in that I knew had done work in the field that I was interested in, which mm -hmm. at that point was actually tissue engineering, um, I don't do that anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> that was what I had wanted to do my PhD in. Um, and then I, I had this massive Excel sheet. And then I, for each school, I listed out PIs that did work in tissue engineering. Mm. And then I emailed every single PI. <laughs> and I, I mean, obviously I didn't go, hey, can you, can, can I be your PhD student? No, I was, I was very general. It was more just to be like, hey, I saw that you do work on this. I read papers from their lab and I just wanted to see whether or not they had spots op open for what, starting in 2018 mm -hmm. um, and whether or not they had funding. Um, just so I knew whether or not I was worth even applying to that university. And that actually um, crossed off a lot of schools from my list because I realized that they weren't going to be hiring for the year yeah. that I wanted to start. Um, and then that, that was a lot of prep work, I think. Um, I also spent quite a bit of time on my personal statement, which Rob was talking about. Like yeah. I spent a really long time curating that. Um, and then making sure I tailored, really, I just tailored like the last paragraph and a half <laughs> to each school that I was applying to. Cause, um, I spent a lot of it just talking about my research experience, which didn't really need to be changed because I knew I was applying to schools where my research experience was directly related to it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a lot of my prep work. It was a lot, a lot of emails, a lot of no responses. I got a couple of responses here and there. I actually got a couple of responses from PIs here mm -hmm. at RPI. Um, which I don't know if it helped in the end or not. Um, I actually was able to talk to one of the PIs here before application started. That's super I actually nice. talked to a few, um, which you know, again, it wasn't supposed. It's, it wasn't an official interview at all. It was really just to hear more about their lab. Um, it was kind of like an informational interview, which you would mm -hmm. do more for jobs after. Um, and I, it just helped me get to know, you know, the PI more. I really wanted to go into that PI's lab that I interviewed with here. 
Um, <laughs> didn't <laughs> didn't end up joining that lab. Totally fine. Um, but I think uh, email reaching out to PIs is a good way to get to know that school a little better, right? Because this is a commitment for you. Like the grad school you choose is like a pretty long term commitment. You want to make sure you're happy there. So why not try to talk to PIs? Yeah, no, I think you made a really interesting point about um, just the application process and how you were able to cross off so many mm-hmm. schools just by virtue of like learning that your interests weren't really in yeah. line with whatever the ones they were looking at. Because I mean, that's it's really indicative of this broader theme that I think graduate school in general is is sort of like a good stepping stone into um, like going out into the actual <laughs> into the actual world <laughs> and like building a career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> well, because. Um, You'll find it's not it's not this academic system where you can pretty much go to wherever yeah. school you want as no, long as you exactly. have the qualifications. There, sometimes you're not going to be a good fit, and sometimes mm-hmm. it'll be an excellent fit. And you know, a lot of the utility that you get out of that experience is finding that really compatible lab yep. and PI. Exactly. Um, yeah, which is definitely the most important. Like um, we were talking about this when we were prepping th- this episode, but. I would say avoid just looking for applying to universities based on their ranking. I I don't think that means much when it comes to PhD programs at all because a PhD is the same everywhere. Like the work that goes into it, it's a dissertation-based degree, right? Mm -hmm. What really matters is the lab that you go into, right? Um, What kind of work are they putting out? How productive are they? You know, what kind of papers are you going to be publishing when you're in it? Um, what kind of work are they doing? Do they have collaborations? You know, those are the things that are actually going to get you into the research world. If mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you're getting your PhD, right, is to get into the research world. So that's that's the stuff that matters more, right, than mm-hmm. like, ah, I'm applying to the top 10 universities based on U.S. news. That means absolutely nothing when it comes to PhD programs. Yep, man. And yeah, yeah, for sure, like lab fit mm-hmm. also over, uh, over rankings yeah. ever because – We've talked about this, I think, in a million different episodes. But <laughs> if you're miserable, your PhD will suck. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> just just every time. Yeah. Uh, but I also wanted to jump back to one thing you said, Megan, mm. uh, about emailing specific PIs. Sure. If I were to go back, I think I would make sure to do that uh, yeah. to a much greater extent than I did. Yep. Mm. Because I did it a little bit. But thinking back on it, any time where like, a PI is going to you know, be flipping through, a hundred applicants yeah. or whatever. And they're like, Oh wait, this name looks familiar. I responded to their email. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That's always going to help you. Yeah. And yep. uh, looking at it that way. So yeah. that's a great, great thing to keep in mind. If you're applying is, yeah. is reach out to people you're interested in. Yeah. And if you're lucky, like in your case, you might even get to talk to them like exactly. actually in person or via WebEx, Zoom, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And, and figure out if that's going to be a good fit for you yeah. before you even have to apply. Yeah, I think a lot of the problem that I had when I was doing that, um, because, it, yeah, absolutely, it's important to reach out, is that I was really apprehensive. I wasn't even sure if it was appropriate, whether you could just, like, just completely unsolicited, like, hey, here I am. Absolutely terrifying. I think the reason it took me so long was before every single email, I sat there for five minutes, like, should I hit send or should I not hit send? And then it would just take me forever because I was just scared of, like, but, like, what's the worst they can do? Well, the story hit send. Yeah. (laughs) They just... uh, you know, they just don't respond, which is, you know, 90% mm-hmm. of the emails I sent did not get a response, yep. but the 10% I did, I think was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so definitely worth your time. What about, um, I want to take a few steps back to even before prep, mm-hmm. what made you guys want to apply 
for a PhD program, right? Like what was that deciding factor where you're like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to go ahead and apply to PhD programs. For me, it was because, so I went to um, a fairly huge public <laughs> university. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, when, you're getting a, when you're getting an undergraduate degree in biomedical engineering, your options, if you're going into the industry at least, which normally if, if you are an undergraduate, that's, mm -hmm. that's what you're going to be doing, yeah. right, mm -hmm. um, are fairly limited. You're yes. either going to be looking at some sort of like quality or manufacturing line, mm -hmm. um, working for a l large medical device corporation. If you're not, you know, lucky enough to, to have a connection in some sort of a startup where you're doing mm -hmm. like really interesting research. Um, so for me, it was just that realization and understanding that if I wanted to do research that was actually sort of impactful, yeah. um, and I wanted to do things that were academically stimulating, then a PhD would be the way to go. And mm -hmm. the PhD also just opens so many doors in terms of, you know, now I have the option to go into academia mm -hmm. or industry. Mm -hmm. And not only is the, is, uh, the pay ostensibly greater, yeah. um, but, but the ceiling is also greater. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, yeah, for me, it was, it was a lot more of like a practical economical consideration yeah. as well as like, um, I know that I didn't want to be spending the rest of my life, like going through like SOPs and, yeah. and, and drafting a bunch of like, because I had to do, we had to go through all those motions for capstone. I'm yeah. sure many of our listeners yeah. did too. And, yeah. and like that, that was not, that's <laughs> <laughs> horrible. <laughs> not the way for you. Yeah. Not the way. Oh man. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little different. Cause like I mentioned my, yeah. my undergrad degree, it was very different than, than BME mm -hmm. or at least if you, from the outside looking in, you'd be like, oh, this guy doesn't do any, any engineering. Anything. <laughs> and so I, uh, I would say after doing, doing research in undergrad, I was like, okay, this is very fun. Uh, but I wasn't doing research that I think I was necessarily passionate about. Sure. I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And I enjoyed it the whole time. But like I was working with yeast and making a, like a, a synthetic plant pathway inside of yeast so Whoa. that we had like really high throughput yeah, okay. uh, really cool. uh, to study the plant pathway, sure. which is really cool. Yeah. But I don't care about plants that much. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. That's why <laughs> Just I, the way that you said I, I was I working with yeast. Into, yeah. <laughs> the lab smelled great first off. It smelled like baking bread every oh, day because gosh. we're growing yeah, yeast in there. Right. So wow. if you want to work in a lab that smells great, work with yeast. But I really wanted <laughs> to do, that. like, I knew I wanted to do biomedical X. Like, engineering didn't, d didn't have to be a part of it. Right, right, right. But yeah. I was also not opposed to biomedical engineering. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so for that, I needed experience in biomedical something. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> Which yeast, however great they smell, did not, did not help me with. Yeah. And so that made, made my choice between... Uh, doing either the 4-2 program sure. or doing a PhD program. Right. And PhD program is paid. The 4-2 yeah. program <laughs> might be crippled with debt. Um, uh. So, again, economics comes into it in a different yeah, yeah. way than, than you described there, Rob. Did your your the university, same. did they also offer like a 4 plus 1 program if you wanted a master's degree? Or? Mine did. No. Yeah, mine was 4 plus yeah. 1. Mine didn't. Mine was, was a college. So I went to oh. Whitman College. So no master's anything's. Yeah. Uh, oh, and is that how that, that works? Yeah, if, if you're it's a, a university, you offer degrees greater than bachelors. I thought. I hey, learn new things every day. That's First, the GRE. But isn't Harvard, really Harvard Rambo, College? I thought it was Harvard University. I'm pretty sure it's, okay, is well, it this really? is a side tangent now. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure it's Harvard University. I it's it was a, Harvard College. Guys, we have the power of Google, and we're already going to cut this. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have to check. 
Harvard University. It's, it says Harvard College. What do you? What? I'm literally what? looking at Harvard College. But the first one that comes up is Harvard University. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, College here's the different. clarification. Harvard College is the undergraduate college yeah. of Harvard University. So, oh. so you are undergrads. Ra- th- I didn't exactly. know that. Uh, Michael Rambo strikes again. So, uh, <laughs> so wait a minute. Keep that in if, the if, you're, if you're an undergrad at Harvard, you go to Harvard College. But if you're a grad student, you'd be you going to, to Harvard, Harvard University. University. Or if you're a med student, you'd be going to Harvard University School of Medicine. Yeah. Wild. But that means that every university is by default a college if they have yes. undergrads there, every, yes? Every, it's the squares and rectangles yeah, yeah, situation. Yeah. Okay. I think Harvard's the first university, right? So maybe they're the oh, one that established that trend. Okay. That could be. I'm pretty sure that's how it works in England as well. And okay. I guess that would make sense for it yeah, to it have sounds brought like something over. The yeah, okay. Anyway, English I don't do. know if I'm going to keep any of that in. We should keep <laughs> it. <laughs> we, should, we have to keep all right. of it in, yeah. Oh, okay, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> Including the 30-second pause while we Google it. <laughs> just hold on. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast to bring you more Micah news. I'll just plop in some, like, elevator music during that pause. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the yes. we'll be right back jingle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, uh, where were we? Oh, we were talking about <clears throat> four plus one programs, right? Yeah, yeah. I considered doing that as well. I did too. My roommate did one. Yeah, I'll say that part of the reason that I was probably a little late or yeah. later than usual is that I'd, I had no idea. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Oh, I was really? A, yeah, I was uh, like summer before senior year. It was a big like existential thing. And oh. obviously like going <laughs> even into the fall semester, I was yeah. just like, I have so I'm many options. I'm kind of surprised of that for you because I feel like you totally belong in a PhD program. Yeah, yeah. I think in, in <laughs> retrospect, it was a really good choice. <laughs> um, like even even instead of like medical school or something like that, but definitely better than, um, you know, just graduating with my undergrad and, and finding a job somewhere. But Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Wild. I feel like, uh, I mean, I already said that I knew I wanted to get my PhD, but I think it was because I... Uh, when I did research, I worked really closely with my PhD, stu- my then PhD student, um, like super closely. So I got to see her be a PhD student mm. um, and her lifestyle and like, you know, the independence of the research that she was doing. And I thought that was really, really cool. Yep. Like I liked the concept of still being in school because I liked school, but mm. not having to take classes and just being able to work on whatever you want, essentially, mm-hmm. right? And I, I liked that kind of independence and freedom that came with going getting your PhD. I did like that you get paid for a PhD um, in most cases uh, versus having to pay for another year of getting a master's or something like mm-hmm. that. Yep. And then just like Rob said, I... You know, when I dropped pre-med, I was thinking about my, you know, my job prospects. And uh, what I noticed was an, a bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering didn't get me the jobs that I thought I would want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. want to go into sales or quality assurance. Yep. Yep. And I, like Rob said, I wanted to do something a little more impactful. Yep. Um, and a PhD was really the only way to do it. I don't think a master's would have been enough for that. Biomedical engineering is just one of those really bizarre, like, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if it's the, pr- people from other, other you know, uh, curriculum probably mm-hmm. say exactly this, yeah. but, um, or from like other majors and everything, but like biomedical engineering, especially I feel is just such a, it's almost like a catch all for yeah. anything that doesn't fit into other categories. And like I think if that's it's not the Mechie, issue like, for it. Yeah. I think that's why like the prospects of like, what does that even mean to someone who's hiring you? Okay. You got an undergrad degree in biomedical engineering. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. It means Who was talking about that. Joppa. Joppa talked yeah. about that in, in the episode that he was on. Yeah. Oh, a long time ago. Um, But he was talking about that was the issue that he kind of ran into when he was applying to jobs after getting his PhD was that no one really 
understood what it meant to have a degree in biomedical engineering. Yep. Because it was just so broad. And because it's so broad, it's it's implemented way differently at different universities. Yes. So like the one yes. that I went to was was very heavy on on biomedical instrumentation and oh, even electrical really? engineering, mm. where other ones go a little bit more into the biology. And so it's just if if you're if you're applying for a job, yeah. or if you're a recruiter looking at looking at a bunch of BME resumes, yeah. you, you see a bunch of people that are like, it's it's sort of the jack of all trades, master of none sort of thing. Yep. Because mm. um, really, yeah, there are so many different specializations within BME. Mm-hmm. Like the only way that you can really distinguish yourself is with research experience yeah, exactly. or some sort of extra. So yeah, I guess Megan and I were both contending with that. <laughs> and yep. the only way that we could actually get really good at something. Is getting a PhD. Yep, yep exactly. Well, here we are, four years deep. Do I feel like an expert in anything? No. Not really. But Not at all. that's the point, right? That's what we're aiming, that's yep. what we're aiming for. Yeah. You're almost there. Uh. <laughs> I remember coming out of undergrad actually feeling like I knew things. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then as soon as I, I got into my PhD, oh my like gosh. that was completely just pounded yeah, away. Yeah. yeah. Big rough. Yeah. For real. Like, <laughs> You guys at least stayed in the in similar similar fields though. <laughs> yeah. For me, like I joined so my lab, we focus a lot on like mechanical measurements, mm-hmm. which ha- has nothing to do with what like yeah. even biophysics. We weren't looking at mechanical measurements. Yeah. We were like looking at why like a, a gradient of you know sucrose is going to be like this, sure. like in a living thing, and mm-hmm. yeah. how photosynthesis works with all the quantum blah 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 blah. So that made no sense. <laughs> and no, like that helped me not at all in the transition to my lab. So I feel like that's a, actually got, a good whoop. question I have for you yeah. that could bring it back to like talking about applications in general. Mm-hmm. Were you ever worried about the fact that you were applying to programs that were not your undergrad degree? Like, was that a worry? Did that ever get brought up? Um, I mean, a worry to some extent, just like, you know, uh, because I knew there would be a learning curve, yeah. of course. But I would say ultimately no. Okay. Uh, mostly because I knew, I think I knew right from the get-go that I was going to end up shifting quite okay. a bit. And that I wanted to have more broad experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had ca- kind of already accepted that no matter what I was going to do, it was going to be different. Yeah. And I was going to have to learn. Yeah. So I don't think that that like, worried me at all. Okay. Really. All right. I know a lot of people in our department came in with undergrad degrees that were not biomedical engineering. So like if yep. you you out there don't have or want to do a PhD in something different than what you got your undergrad degree in, it's totally mm-hmm. feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that actually makes you reaching out to a PI even better because then you mm-hmm. could, you know, talk about the feasibility of, you know, relating to their work. You know, if you're able to talk to that PI comfortably, then, you know, that's promising for how you might transition into a different degree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the questions that I wanted to ask you guys mm-hmm. actually is how you felt about a gap year taking a gap year. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Because <laughs> so uh, so like a lot of the um the, the reason that I brought that up is that like uh, it, it's still a trend that we see all yeah. too all too often is that people will go into a PhD simply because they they're not ready for the job market or they're not ready to <laughs> yeah. um yeah I that's guess, true go into the next chapter of their lives that's and so they want to kind of yeah. bide, bide their time. I do, I do disagree degree. with going into a PhD for that reason, but I can talk about that after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so I think I'm just sort of emphasizing the point that even if, even if it came down to taking a little extra time to try and figure out what you wanted to, yeah. to do with yourself, it's better than thrusting yourself absolutely. into a program that you're not either absolutely. not ready for that's or not true. willing to like totally that's get true. into because you have to be yeah. in it. 
Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. I, I talk to my friends all the time about, you know, you see people go into PhD programs, just like Rob said, like they're, they just don't know what else to do. So they think yep. a PhD is the way to go. And this is not the place for you to try to figure out what you want to do. Like yep. you really have to want to get your PhD. It is yep. a really uh, testing time yep. of your life. And so, you know, take the time if you need it. You know, a gap year isn't going to hurt you as far as your chances of getting into grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, you could use that year to, you know, get more experience. Yes. Take that time to maybe apply for fellowships before you even start exactly. grad school. Exactly. No, th- is this isn't time that you're just sit- sitting yeah. there sort of like, you know, right. watching Netflix or stuff. This is like you can definitely <laughs> nice do have a productive. Be. Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Imagine. Um, yeah, definitely take that time to be productive. Maybe strengthen up your resume where you think you're missing some of it. If you plan on taking a gap year or in general, if you want to be productive about going into grad school and getting your PhD, you need, you need lab experience. Do not skimp out on that. Like Mm -hmm. it is absolutely vital that you know that you can operate in a research lab. Um, there's a lot of people that go in with very limited lab experience. Um, cleaning dishes does not count (laughs) as lab experience. You need to know what it means to be independent in a lab, um, relatively. Yep. And I'll go beyond that and say that, um, even as you're, um, even as you're getting into an undergrad graduate research position, mm-hmm. you need to be maintaining your GPA as well. Absolutely. Because people need to know that you can contend with all the different responsibilities. Absolutely. And um, manage your time effectively. Yeah. Because time management is definitely like a skill that if you haven't mastered by the time that you get to your PhD, you will have to master within <laughs> the first like few months. Yep. <laughs> Otherwise, Absolutely. it's not going to be sustainable. Absolutely. I think uh, something else that you can work on um, you know, before grad school apps is consider uh, applying to a fellowship early. Um, We do have an episode coming up in like four weeks-ish, I think, um, about the NSF uh, fellowship. Um, But there are a lot of fellowships out there that you can apply to as an undergrad, um, and it won't even mess your chances up for reapplying during grad school. So you might as well do it. It'll free up funding for you. More labs will probably want you, honestly, if you did get funded. Um, actually, Rob is an NSF fellow as mm-hmm. well, um, so he's one of the cool kids. Um, but definitely consider applying to a fellowship. Um, that's, you know, it'll really help your chances. Yeah, definitely boost your chances. Absolutely, yeah. I think something else you should um, spend time with, you know, going off of working in a lab is letters of rec. Um, P- your PI for your undergrad research is mm-hmm. a great person for your letter of rec. That's who mine was. I had one from my biomedical engineering research lab. I had one from my computer science research lab. And then my department head was my other letter of rec. Um, I think I think they gave me solid recs because they also did my recommendation letters for my fellowship apps. And I got relatively good comments about that. So, um, you know, it's really important. Um, I think PIs really do use those letters of rec. Actually, yeah. um, one of the some of the people that we were recruiting this year, um, I know my PI looked at those letters of rec to help bolster their decision about whether or not to accept them. So you should yep. make sure that the people you ask actually like you, and they're not just some <laughs> random teacher you took a class from your sophomore yep. year. And <laughs> I, I will say you have to give your your recommenda- recommenders at least a month. Oh, absolutely. I would say yes. at least a month. Yeah. And then depending on how quick um, quickly you're approaching that deadline, yeah. Weekly reminders. Yeah. Maybe even semi weekly reminders. It. Uh, it feels so bad to send that email, but it is so it. worth it yeah. to send that email saying, yeah. hey, just so you know, this it's thing coming is coming up, up in, yeah. in one week, in three days, <laughs> in one day, I don't see it yet. 15 minutes. I feel you know. so bad. My recommenders had to write like 22 
letters of rec because I applied to 22 schools. It was a lot. It was a oh. lot. Oh, and my uh, I remember after all of it was done in February, my department head came up to me while I was sitting in the, in the um, hall, and he was like, man, you applied to way too many. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. And he was like, you better get into one. <laughs> that oh, took up no. so much of my time. <laughs> I felt kind of bad, but it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. And you guys both went to, to much bigger schools than me, so I'm sure that... I don't know about much bigger, but... <laughs> so my school had 1,200 kids? Okay, it is bigger, but not as big as Rob's school. My, Rob's yeah, school mine's about giant. 70 times bigger than yours. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of times. I'm a, I would say I'm a medium-sized school, so I'm right in the middle. You're like an RPI-sized school? Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> wow. It's still like 10 times bigger than my yeah, school, true. though. that's true, that's true. So, like... Yeah, I like I oof. being a recommender at like a Rob school though. Oh. Yeah, that's got to be rough. They probably have limits to how many people they can. Write they say yes to. about yeah. writing. Arizona State University for anyone who hasn't figured it out yet. <laughs> um, huge school, I think. So uh, last time I looked at it was like 2017 or 2018, but we had something like 71,000 undergrads, that's so um, and then another 20,000 faculty, staff, and graduate 20, students. 20,000. Yeah. <laughs> so. My school had four trees for every one student. <laughs> so tell me who's winning, Rob. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a give and take, though, right? Because, I mean, at ASU, it was a multi-billion dollar research yeah, institute. It was pulling out so much funding, and they keep touting the fact that uh, it's their number one in innovation, probably just because they have so much publication volume and patent volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there are oh, so man. many people around. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, the other, the other piece is that, you know, coming to, um, and this is actually part of the part, part of the advice, I guess, that we could give our audience is that uh, the size of your school really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, the size of your lab really matters. Mm-hmm. And we were talking earlier about joining a lab with good name recognition. Um, keep in mind that often with those labs, you're dealing with um, teams of potentially over like 20 or 30 people. Yeah. And when it mm-hmm. gets to that insane size, don't expect to be able to meet with your professor yeah, on, yeah, exactly. on even like a biweekly basis, mm-hmm. you know? So... Um, you have to you have to have an understanding of what what sort of PI student relationship you think works best for you. If yep. you want to be a little bit more, um, if you want your PI to be more actively involved, maybe that's something that can only happen with a you know yep. sub ten person yep. group. Um, so yeah, just uh, keep that in mind as you're applying to your different. Yeah, that's why lab experience helps, so you know what kind of mentoring you true. need. You're gonna <laughs> true, yeah. true. Um, I think the last thing. Um, we talked about GRE, so you know, take your GRE. I think it's optional now because of COVID, yeah. but hit the check. Maybe button. do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, look up the writing font prompts that are already disclosed to you before. Yes, um, that's some new advice that I got. Um, and then your personal statement is also very important. Again, it's mm. another gauge for your writing ability. It's a good way for you to talk about any holes that you might have in your application. Right, like for example, if you don't have a 4.0 GPA. Yep. Um, that is not required, by the way, for a PhD program. You do not need a really high GPA for that. Yep. Um, just, you know, to explain why you might not have gotten an above average GPA or why your GRE wasn't as great. Um, you know, highlight your lab experience. Talk about, you know, the independence that you had in some of your research projects. I think yep. it's a really good opportunity. Um, I have a feeling that my personal statement really made my application better um, than my straight just resume. So, you know, I think it really helps. Um is there anything else I'm missing from grad school applications? Because it's been a long time. It's been four years for us, Rob, which is kind of terrifying. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Just to emphasize, I guess, that with the personal statement, it's really your only opportunity to distinguish yourself from yeah. other people. Because ultimately, yeah. you know, research experience aside, everyone is going to have essentially the same application. Mm-hmm. And 
especially if you're going for competitive schools, probably the same qualifications. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So the only way that you're going to be able to resonate with any any PI or the recruiter, depending mm-hmm. on which organization you're applying to, is through your personal statement. Yep. That's mm-hmm. why some people literally devote months yeah. to this, like a fellowship application, yep, exactly. honestly. So um, we, can't, we can't overstate the importance of that document mm-hmm. enough. Definitely get on it. Yeah, absolutely. I think we covered it all, but do we want to just hit it one more time with a, a list sure. just straight yeah, through of sure, sure. what everybody needs to do? So okay. let's start with take your GREs. Take your GRE as soon as possible so you know if you need to retake it. Yeah. Uh, make a list of universities. Make a list of labs, PIs. Reach out to those PIs. Mm-hmm. At the same time, probably should try applying to some fellowships. Yep. Um, get some lab experience. This should be like, you know, start as early as possible with yeah. that lab experience and use those people for your letters of rec, which is also mm-hmm. required. And then start working on your personal statement, work with your writing center, work with your PIs on catering or curating your right, personal statement. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Curating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> word choice. <laughs> I promise I had better word choice on my personal statement. Um, you spent months on that. Yeah. You spent two <laughs> seconds trying to figure out curating. So it's fine. Um, the other thing is, you know, these deadlines will pop up um, starting in December all the way to January. Some yeah. have rolling depending on the university. Start earlier than later. They're all really repetitive, but they do take time. They're tedious. You need to, yeah. there's things like uploading passport pictures for some of these. So start earlier. Don't start the next night before filling out that <laughs> online portal it takes time um and keep keep track of you know the application status i actually still don't know about one of the schools i applied to uh so just keep an <laughs> eye on that portal after you hit submit to make sure they actually received your materials and you're still keeping an eye on that portal. i am i, I am just, just in case just in case <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think that i did i cover everything i think I you think, got it all so okay yeah, yeah cool. i think we're good awesome So that's going to wrap us up for season two, episode one of the PhD cast. If you're interested in a specific topic or you have questions you'd like us to answer, please email us at cbisgpa at rpi.edu, or you can message us on social media via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And with that, we hope all your application fees are waived and that all your differences are significant. See ya.